Michaels, please stand. Lord, we come before you today grateful and thankful for everything that you're doing. God, we come together unified. Lord, we step into the victory that you've already won. Lord, we come expectant here for you to move in our lives today, to move in our lives this week, not just in 
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desire is known. And from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbor as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolute remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And even now, while we are placed among things that are passing away, to hold fast to those that shall endure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Blessing of the children. Thank you, Lord, for these wonderful children that you've given us for just a short period of time. We pray, Lord, that as we pour into their lives those things that you've taught us, that they'll grow to be mighty warriors in the army of Jesus. Amen. Amen. This morning's first reading comes from Proverbs chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. And find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity and every good path. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 54. We read responsibly by the asterisk. Save me, O God, by your name. Hear my prayer, O God. For strangers have risen up against me, and oppressors have sought after my life. Behold, God is my helper. He will repay my enemies for their evil. I will freely sacrifice to you. For he has delivered me out of all trouble. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now. This morning's second reading comes from the book of James, chapter 3, commencing at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. 
but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Mark, chapter 9, beginning in verse 30. Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So if you notice, this morning I'm walking a little funkier than usual. (laughs) My knee has something going on. They think maybe an infection in the joint or something weird. So I want you to know it's all good. I'm on top of it. I'm aware that I look a little funny walking around here. It's going to be okay. (laughs) Um, But, man, I was thinking last night it got really swollen, and so I finally went to the urgent care and stuff. And I was just – all I was thinking was, man, but I want to preach tomorrow. I love preaching the Word of God. I love getting up here and talking to you guys about what I think God's sharing with me. And it's such a privilege, and I'm just grateful today, more than usual, to be standing here and sharing with you. Because I was really close to texting Father Powell and Bishop and saying, hey, one of you guys are up tomorrow morning. (laughs) But it worked out really well. So um, as we begin talking about what I want to talk about today, I just was really impressed by the collect. And I think sometimes we get it wrong when we read this collect. And so that's where I want to start. And I just, I'm going to read just a little bit of it here. Grant us, Lord, it's actually the part that you guys didn't get to read because we were a little off sync. But either way, grant us, Lord, not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. I just want to focus on what does it mean not to be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. And I just want to clarify something. They are not trying to write in this collect that you need to be so concerned with this ethereal other realm called heaven that's way far away that you don't worry about feeding your family. 
They aren't saying that you shouldn't be anxious about food and clothing because it doesn't matter because you can just be a monk who sits and has nothing and you will be filled with heaven. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is because Jesus brought heaven to earth and because Jesus embodied what it meant to follow God in his kingdom on earth, we actually, by focusing on being heavenly as Jesus is heavenly, we actually can be filled with all of the good things that God has given us on earth. What I mean by that is Jesus didn't just sit in a monastery and think about the wonders of this ethereal spiritual realm of heaven. He actually went among the lepers, the tax collectors, the sinners, the broken people, and he brought physical healing into their lives because God created the physical And God loves the physical. And when it says don't be earthly, it's not because God doesn't love the earth. It's because we can get so focused on what we see in front of us, the depravity or the pain or the suffering in front of us, that we can forget that there's a deeper reality, that heaven and earth have met in the person of Jesus Christ, and nothing will ever be the same. So what are we praying here? We're praying that don't be anxious about what you eat and what you drink, because God in his power will lead you to your earthly provision. So I just am trying to replace something that we sometimes think when it says, you know, think on those things that are heavenly. It's not talking about being so holy that you don't care about your body. It's actually talking about being so holy that you do care about your body, right? Because God made you as a physical being with a heavenly reality. And he loves who you are. And he loves when you feed people physical food. I mean, the society is one of the coolest ministries that we have at this church where we literally feed hundreds of people every week out of the abundance of God's provision, right? So I just wanted to clarify that, and as we go on, just keep that in mind because there is this dichotomy in our scriptures today between heavenly and earthly. And so I wanted to set that apart right from the get-go. And we're going to dump in because there's a promise in Proverbs 2 that I think is fulfilled or at least elucidated or expanded on in our New Testament and our gospel. And so I'm just going to hit the Proverbs 2, and I'm just going to read The beginning and then the promise that is right at the end. So the first verse in Proverbs 2, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, and then he goes on and says, you know, seek it at silver. He's got all these other things that he says you're going to do. You're going to seek the wisdom of God. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. Now, if you've been paying attention at all over the past couple of years, righteousness, justice, equity, those are buzzwords in our culture right now. Equity is being championed from the rooftops. Come to us. We know what equity is. Do it this way so that everything can be equity and we can have true justice. There's a call in our culture right now for equity and justice. But I want to make sure that we are aware this morning that that comes out of the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. And so I think James and the gospel today actually explain equity and justice far better for us out of the wisdom of God than some of the voices that you hear on the street corners or in our world on your phone, on Facebook and on Instagram and in the news. 
And so we're going to jump into James, keeping that in mind that we want to know what righteousness, justice, equity, every good path. We want to know those things out of the wisdom of God. So James, of course, right away says, who is wise and understanding of you? Any time in Scripture it says, who is wise and understanding, just brace yourself. Because as soon as you say me, you're about to get from this author some correction. They are often baiting you. You think you're wise and understanding, well, listen to what I have to say. And so he says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Now, we don't really use that word meekness very often in our daily usage, but it doesn't mean weakness. I want to start there, right? But it does mean something that's pretty contrary to the way that we look at ourselves in our modern Western sensibilities. Meekness, I got a biblical definition from one of the commentaries, says it's essentially an attitude or quality of heart whereby a person is willing to accept and submit without resistance to the will and desire of someone else. That sounds like something, you might have even cringed in your seat as you hear that. Submit my will and desire without resistance to someone else? That is not the American way. We are the rebels. We are the ones who stood up to Great Britain, the greatest kingdom on earth at the time, and said, no, we will be free. We will govern ourselves. Well, there's a little bit of contradiction here that we're going to have to resolve, right? There's something that the writer of James, James himself, is trying to get through to us. And in the context, it makes a whole lot of sense. Because if you think about the meekness of wisdom, and I love that he paired it with that phrase, really what he's saying is that it actually is wise to be meek in the right context. Because you also have to realize that he's writing to a church that is actively resisting the authority of the land. That says they are not allowed to meet and celebrate Jesus. These are the same people he's writing to, and within a couple hundred years, who are being crucified and burned at the stake. Because they will not submit meekly to the law of the land. So actually, meekness needs to be the meekness of wisdom. Not just roll over You can do whatever you want. I'm a nice Christian. It makes me think of Flanders from The Simpsons, right? The next door neighbor who's like, oh, that's all right. You know, no, that's not Christianity. The meekness has to be guided by wisdom. But what James is seeing comes out in this next verse. He's writing to a particular church at a particular time, having the same type of struggle that we have today. Because then he goes on, he says, but, so who is wise and understanding? Operate in the meekness of wisdom. And then he goes, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So now he's really getting them. He's like, if you think you're wise and understanding, then I expect you to be meek in wisdom, which basically means I I expect you not to be putting yourself above others. I expect you not to be infighting. I expect you not to have envy of others and self-seeking ambition. He's, he's opposing these two modes of being. What was happening was if they thought they were wise and understanding, they were acting just like any of us. I know what I'm talking about, so I should be in charge. I know what I'm doing, so I should be considered the most honored. I should sit at the head of the table because I'm the one who's been doing this the longest. They had these fights going on in this church that were completely wrapped up in self-seeking ambition and bitter envy. 
And I want to just mention that, bitter envy. What's he talking about here? Well, bitterness has to do with unforgiveness. And often envy and bitterness are linked because you know how hard it is to forgive somebody who wronged you and has what you want? That's hard. It's hard enough to forgive somebody who wronged you, but imagine if you're also envious of this person. They wronged you and they took something that you wanted or they've been given something that you wanted. So bitter envy is a toxic solution. And if you combine that with self-seeking ambition, well, later James says that basically everything that is evil comes from that combination. So what are we talking about when we talk about these bitter, envious, self-seeking individuals? What are they doing? He says they're boasting and lying against the truth. Reminds me of 1 John when it says, and we read this quite often in our liturgy, if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you. Now, I think the key phrase I want to focus on today is deceive yourself. I don't think necessarily that he's condemning them for lying to others, although we know that's bad. He's also pointing out the fact that if you're envious and you're self-seeking, then you're actually believing a lie in yourself. Because what are we believing in envy? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We're believing that somehow we deserve what somebody else has. Or we're believing that we have been given an unfair shake. You know who's not envious? A runner who has run a race where clearly the other guy beat him. If he has no preconceived notions about how he should have won, then it's pretty easy to be like, man, he's just faster than me. If I were to race against my brother Christian right now, especially with my knee, I would not be envious if he beat me in a foot race. He's in better shape. He's younger. He's just going to be faster. But when we get envious is when we start thinking we deserve what somebody else has or we haven't been given our fair shake. That's when envy has a fertile ground to be sown in our hearts. So he's saying don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to others, but don't lie to yourself, really. I'm going to go nerdy here, as I often do for a second. We're going to take a little journey into Lord of the Rings. Just a quick moment from Lord of the Rings. You don't have to have seen the movie for this to make sense. But long story short, there's this awesome scene where Galadriel is offered the ring by Frodo. And this gets to the heart of the self-seeking, ambitious side of lying to yourself. And Frodo says, why don't you take the ring? And this is just a little hobbit. He has this ring of power that every, the whole world is hinging on what happens with the ring of power. And he's so impressed by this elf queen, Galadriel, that he's like, you take it. This makes more sense for you to have it. And she has this great moment where she, the cinematography is great, and she goes all inverted, and her colors, and everything goes crazy, and she goes, she has this crazy voice, in the place of a dark lord, you would have a queen, not dark, but beautiful, and terrible as the dawn, treacherous as the sea, stronger than the foundations of the earth. And right in there, she recognizes the lie. And that's self-seeking ambition Basically saying, if I had the power, then everything would be better. If they gave me that promotion, my company would do so much better because I'm so qualified. Or if I had all the money, then I would just have the best charity you've ever seen. There would be no better person at giving away money if God just gave you the money. And we get this thing inside of us that thinks that if we just were given that, that next step, that we would just be the greatest Christians that there is. The only thing that's holding me back is that I don't have this thing. And then, of course, she comes back to herself and she says, you know, this great phrase. She says, I have passed the test. She refuses the ring. I will diminish and go into the West and remain Galadriel. And what's cool about that is it's straight out of the Bible, right? What does John the Baptist say 
When people approach him about Jesus, they're like, hey, this guy's taking all the people who were following you. And John the Baptist has this moment where he was the most powerful prophet in 400 years in Israel. He had this moment where his followers could have put him up as the guy to go after. He had all the power. And if he believed the lie in his heart, I know what I'm doing. I could do this really good. Then he would have fallen to self-seeking ambition. But instead, he remembered the truth. No, no. He must increase and I must decrease or diminish, right? So when James is talking about these bitter, envious, self-seeking individuals, and he's saying they're boasting, so there's some pride in there. They're trying to tell people how great they are, and they're lying. I think the biggest problem is the fact that they're deceiving themselves. And so as we kind of move through this meekness of wisdom, The great thing about the wisdom of God is that it's able to discern the lies in your own heart. You're able to look at yourself and say, wow, where did that come from? There's something going off here. So then we jump into the gospel and we see our great disciples. They're just like the best storytelling technique of the whole Bible because they just always are getting it wrong, right? Makes me feel really good until I remember all the times that I did exactly what the disciples did in my own life. And this really happened, and it's so true to us that as soon as we get shown favor by God, as soon as we're walking with Jesus and our life is going well, we tend to stumble in very similar ways. So we're going to read through here, and it says, Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and Jesus did not want anyone to know about it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise on the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. In every gospel, you have this moment where Jesus is trying to tell them, I'm going to be killed and then I will rise on the third day. And you know what? The disciples never actually understood what he was saying until he lived it out, until they went through it. A lot of times in our lives, God tells us something over and over again. And then we go through our crisis situation and we're like, Man, God was telling me that the whole time. Man, he prepared me for this. And so that's what Jesus is doing. He knows they're not going to get it, but he also knows that when they see it, they'll remember, oh yeah, remember he said that? God actually incorporated something into his plans that we could not understand. And they'll be comforted to know that God is still in control. So he's trying to explain basically the most humble thing that has ever been done in the history of the world. God himself going to a horrible crucifixion without defending himself, being branded as a betrayer, as a a treasonous upstart by the Romans and condemned by the people he, he came to save. One of the most humble things, the most humble thing that's ever happened. And so he, he, he just tells them about that. They don't get it. And it's obvious they don't get it because then as they're walking to Capernaum, he gets into the house and he says, what is it? You disputed among yourselves on the road. And now they get it. He asks them the question, and the disciples are all of a sudden they're ashamed. Oh, wait, maybe we shouldn't have been having that argument. It's starting to click, but he's not going to let them get away with silence. He's going to answer what's going on in their heart. They kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. So Jesus has the answer for them. He sat them down, he calls them together, and he, the 12 in particular, and says, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. It's just such a wonderful human story. 
Jesus tells them about the greatest act of humility in all of creation. And the first thing they do is start arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I, God himself, am going to lay down my life for you and be humiliated and abandoned on the cross. I wonder who's going to be first in his kingdom. Hmm. I wonder who's going to be general. I wonder who's going to be, have the most power when he comes into his kingdom. That's right where our mind goes often. We're looking for the wrong things. And I say that not to say, you bad people, you're so ambitious and self-serving and they're lying to yourself. What I say is, if you press into the wisdom of God, he will remove the veil and you'll be able to see where true joy and life and peace are. Because I promise you, true joy and life and peace are not through pursuing your own greatness. I promise you, I swear to you this day, that you will not find life and joy and peace by pursuing your own greatness especially at the cost of others, through envy and bitterness. That's not the way to life and peace. The way to life and peace is to look inward and to let God show you what he plans to do in your life, to be the servant of all. And so this is what I see going on in our culture right now. I see that there's a lot of different ideas about how the world should be organized, about who should be in power, about who should get this, who should get that. And I think the wisdom of God will guide us as we kind of look out on the world in this moment. And so we're going to return to James and we're going to read the rest of this real quickly. So James continues and he's addressing, like I said, these bitter, envious, self-seeking individuals in this church. And I think it speaks to our very day today. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. I don't know about you, but it seems like if you go to the internet, you can find confusion and every evil thing if you're looking. If that's what you're looking for, you can find it in abundance. And so we're giving a hint here. Maybe that comes because there's a lot of people who are experiencing unforgiveness, bitterness, envy, and self-seeking ambition. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So this is our contrast to the envious ideologies of our day. The wisdom that from above is first pure. What it means by that in particular in this context is undivided. It's like a glass of water. You put a little bit of red dye in that water, well, immediately it's not pure anymore. It means it's something singular in focus. So the wisdom of God is pure and undivided, not like the wisdom of the world, if you can see. Then peaceable, Well, that just jumps right to my mind, that phrase that's going around. No justice, no peace. No justice, no peace. There's something wrong underneath the idea that you have to go fight people. You have to go fight people to earn your justice. When our example of bringing justice is self-sacrificial love. Then, so it's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. Now, this is kind of funny, but you guys may have noticed that there was a time period where our news was talking about all the mostly peaceful riots and looting and burning down of buildings that was going around. That's not gentle. That's not gentleness. That's not wisdom. There's such a balance on these things. So I'm going to get through it, and we'll keep talking as we go. Willing to yield. Ooh, that goes right back to that meekness thing that we don't like. Willing to yield. There's this meme that goes around that says, sit down and shut up, they argued. You see it all over the place. 
You know, somebody posts an opinion and somebody jumps on there. You stupid person, you just shut your mouth, you know. They use words that are a little more colorful than that. I tamed it down for the pulpit. But you see it always. It's like, no, you sit down, you shut up. Well, are you willing to yield in the right place? And all of this is in the context of wisdom. Full of mercy. There's ideologies out there on both sides that are convinced that you are guilty with the blood of your ancestors. And that you should be paying for your sins that people committed hundreds of years ago. That doesn't sound like the mercy and the wisdom of God. Without partiality. Well, there's ideologies out there that are telling you that you, based on your group identity, should be either preferred or put down. Because we need to make way for the new age, this new world order, this new era where people get their fair shake, which really means that we've got to make everything equitable, which means we've got to promote people and we've got to put people down. Very partial in its ideology. And without hypocrisy. You may have noticed that many of our leaders are constantly accused rightly of hypocrisy. The rules for us are different than the rules for you. These are just little hints as you're picking up things that are going on in the world that you need the wisdom of God to discern what to believe and what not to believe. And then lastly, and maybe most worthy of notice, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. If you see people who are just stirring the pot of hate and anger and bitterness and jealousy, that's probably not the wisdom of God. Because the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace, and it yields peace. If there's one thing that I could pray for the world right now, it's peace in our time, right? That's that famous kind of scary phrase. But really, it's like we want the kingdom of earth to come now, not in some pretend equitable place where we go out there and we beat people into submission so that they follow our way. But no, we actually want peace because we, through self-sacrifice, through the meekness of wisdom, serve one another and love one another and bring forth the fruit of righteousness in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Now, as I read that, you may have just felt vindicated, just like me in my own Christian opinion and belief, my own wisdom. Well, I'm really great then. I don't believe any of that stuff. And if you have, well, as well as Sean's character in The Princess Bride says, you fool, you fell for the classic blunder, right? The classic blunder as we read these scriptures is to feel really great about how awesome we are. But James doesn't let us get away with that. In the very next verse, he says, what causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? He's talking about you. What's going on in the world? Look at your own heart. The quarrels and the anger and the bitterness in the world, it has to do with us. It's not enough for God that you point out the evils and deficiencies in those around you. It's all about bringing it back to the transformation he wants to bring forth in you. If you're waiting for the world to conform to the Christian faith and the ways of God, in order for you to be joyful and peaceful and righteous, then you're going to be waiting a long time, probably beyond your life on earth before that ever happens. It will happen. Jesus wins. God wins. And all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. 
But in your life, if you want to bring heaven to earth, then you've got to look at your own heart. And you've got to ask God, where am I envious, bitter, self-seeking? Where am I sowing not peace but strife, even in the name of trying to do some good? The ends just don't justify the means. So this is the solution here. It's about addressing our own envy and self-seeking ambition. And the responsibility is on us for ordering our heart and submitting ourselves to God in the meekness of wisdom. In fact, it goes one step further. In the New Testament, it says, submit yourselves one to another. So we don't even get to just say, well, I serve God, so I don't have to serve any of you. No, we're to serve one another. It's a hard road, but it's a good road. And just imagine if all of us took that seriously our whole life. There's just no end to the goodness that God can bring into your life when you trust him to sort that stuff out. When you go to him, when you seek wisdom. That's why it says seek wisdom rather than silver or gold. There's nothing better than being ordered by the wisdom of God. Amen? Amen. The Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, Light of Light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated on the right hand of the Father and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken to the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Lord, our God.
God, accept the fervent prayers of your people and the multitude of your mercies. Look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you're gracious, O lover of souls. And to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. With your spirit. Turn and share the peace. The Lord be with you. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the Lord be with you. Thank you. Hey, I want to. Go ahead. They did. They, that's never good. <laughs> they made a lot of plans. Amen. So I guess we're going to have a work day coming up. <laughs> we do, Bishop. And, yeah, I was really excited about the ladies' meeting yesterday. Uh, men have been meeting for a while, and the ladies got together and kind of uh, threw in their uh, ideas on what's going on. Very exciting. A lot of good and new things that we have coming up. So I'm excited about that, Bishop. And, and a big part of the planning coming up is about our St. Michael's Feast. Oh, wow. Isn't that yeah, St. Yeah. Michael's Feast on October 3rd. October 3rd. It's uh, very special this year. Yep. We're starting or restarting maybe a, a, a new tradition, and it's going to be held here because of all the uh, activities we had uh, going on downstairs in the past. It's been very, very difficult to do some of these uh, cherished uh, local events here, and we've had to go to parks and different places right. to do them. We're going to have our St. Michael's Feast right here, and I, I just really believe it's going to be a special a special anointing on it. It'll be right Amen. after our service. Yes. So. Amen. And the men's work day is coming up to prepare for that, other activities for the ladies, so look for that. And um, last note, men's retreat's coming up. Sign up. I know Eric's not here right now. Is there some, There's somebody else you can see. See me or me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure we got you down. You're on the yeah. list, and uh, you'll be up. good to go. With the fact that we moved it from a retreat center to a, uh, a hotel. Yes, it is. I think, and so it's a really it they're really tiny, so you can't hardly read it from the back. But it says Palm Desert Embassy Suites. Yeah, so it's, it's it'll be a real nice accommodations, and they have a pool and all that. But civilization. Uh, we do need to uh, be right on top of who's coming, who's not, because we rent the rooms and. You have to be on. So uh, let me know today, if not me today, Eric, next Sunday. I know. And there's a sign-up sheet in the back for the ministry on the uh, credenza thing. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
lost this week a, a dear friend and colleague of mine, uh, Father Tony Izula. 
who want to be with the Lord, and I'm going to offer this uh, Eucharist up for Father Tony. What a what an amazing man of peace and uh, goodwill. He just so amplified that in his uh, his being wherever he went, and I know the Lord feels he represented him really, really well. Tremendous loss. We welcome all baptized believers to join us. Come, you who have much faith, you who have little. You who've been here often and you've not been here long. You who've tried to follow, you who fail, you come. Because it's the Lord who invites you. It's his will that those who want him should meet him here, come to his table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere will proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. So with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in your unending hymn of praise. gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, and he said, take eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup, and again, he gave him thanks and praise. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, 
Do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember the sick and the infirmed spirit, soul, or body. We hold up to stay Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi and Sonji and Sandra and Karen, Tammy, Maria, Kyla and Jean and Maria and Patrick, Jason, Romano, Lyle, Laura, John Mark, the Logston family, Lance Corporal Vargas and Robert, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and armed services around the world. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who've gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him and the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Jesus taught us to call God our Father. We have courage to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrifice for us. Therefore, let us keep the peace. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb, the body and blood of Christ.
Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling. Reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And God loves you. He's forgiven you. He's not angry with you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. I will be yours, I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours, I will be yours for all my life. I will be yours, I will be yours for all my life. So let your Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. You.